On Sunday, October 16, 1859, John Brown and his band of 21 men came out of the dark night to change American history. The terror of all Missouri, as the New York Times had called the 59-year-old abolitionist, was known nationally as a leader of the anti-slavery movement and a zealot who had murdered at least five pro-slavery men in cold blood. His stated purpose that night was to seize the Federal Armory and its thousands of weapons in the quiet town of Harper's Ferry, Virginia, expecting it to be the spark that ignited a rebellion of slaves in the region. In fact, he would start a war that would inflame the entire nation. While history records that the Civil War began early in the morning of April 12, 1861, when Confederate troops began shelling Union-occupied Fort Sumter in Charleston, South Carolina's harbor, many historians believe war became inevitable the night of John Brown's raid. Today, Brown is remembered mostly for the verse... John Brown's body lies a-moldering in the grave, his soul is marching on, but his daring raid at Harper's Ferry put the nation on the path that would lead to the bloodiest war in American history. When abolitionist John Brown was hanged for his attempt to ignite a slave rebellion, Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote that his execution would make the gallows as glorious as the cross. Decades earlier, the Founding Fathers had successfully managed to weave together the thirteen colonies into a nation without resolving the momentous debate over slavery. Since an English ship, the White Lion, sailing under a Dutch flag in 1619, had traded the first twenty enslaved Africans to the Jamestown colonists in exchange for food and supplies, Americans had wrestled with the moral and economic implications of treating human beings as property. The agrarian South, with its tobacco economy, relied on slave labor far more than the industrialized North. In 1780, Pennsylvania became the first state to begin banning slavery, passing a law that moved exceedingly slowly toward emancipation. After long and bitter debates that threatened to tear apart the newly won country, the delegates attending the 1787 Constitutional Convention passed the Three-Fifths Compromise, which counted slaves as three-fifths of a person when determining a state's representation in Congress, but gave those slaves no rights. Slaves were property to be bought, sold, and worked until they died, and all of their children were born into slavery. With schoolteacher Eli Whitney's 1793 invention of the cotton gin, the so-called engine that could rapidly clean seeds from raw cotton, cotton replaced tobacco as the South's most profitable crop and required even more slaves to pick it. America's 1790 census recorded almost 700,000 slaves, a number that increased by more than half a million in the next two decades. By 1850, it was estimated there were more than three million slaves in the United States, and one in four Southerners owned slaves. While New England's textile industry had once depended on slave labor, the northern states had mostly abolished slavery by 1804, although in some cases the statutes remained legally in force. In 1808, Congress outlawed the importation of slaves from Africa, but the domestic slave trade, the exchange of existing slaves and their families, continued to flourish in the South. 
The Missouri Compromise, passed in 1820, arranged a tenuous peace between pro- and anti-slavery interests by dividing the 22 states equally into slave and free states. But while northern politicians continued to speak out publicly and most ineffectually against slavery, others began taking covert action. The abolitionist movement created the Underground Railroad, a vast network of way stations consisting of hiding places in caves and in cellars, beneath church floors and in barn lofts, through which conductors guided escaping slaves trying desperately to make their way north to freedom. Among these conductors and station masters were legendary figures such as Harriet Tubman, an escaped slave who risked her life leading hundreds of others to freedom, as well as common folk such as the parents of teenager James Butler Wild Bill Hickok, whose small farm in Homer, Illinois, served as a way station. The penalties for working...